Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Supergirl's social media soars. And we discuss blood bonds. This This is Supergirl Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Giacino. My name is Rebecca Johnson, and in this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about the season one episode of the show titled Blood Bonds. But before we get to our discussion, we have... The news. A social analytics company called MVP Index ranked the top 10 new television shows of the 2015 fall season, and Supergirl was placed at number nine. Uh, According to The Hollywood Reporter, Supergirl has the second highest retweet rate of the new fall shows. I know. (laughs) Retweet rate uh, of the new fall shows. Um, GIF scenes from the show uh, are popular with fans on Twitter, averaging hundreds of retweets per tweet. And we've certainly be, been, you know, seeing that, right, Rebecca? Like, oh, totally, totally. Tweets and, all over the place. Yeah, and I think that's really awesome, especially like live tweeting during the show. Everybody's using the hashtags. And I definitely see that with the GIFs. Uh, CBS's official Supergirl Twitter account has been very good about incorporating those in the tweets. So I totally believe this statistic to be true. Um, yeah. <laughs> because everybody's been tweeting like crazy. So well done, Supergirl fans. We made exactly. it in the top ten. And that's important. Like, not just that a lot of people are watching, but that they're watching actively. I think that's the the real important thing is that they're not only coming to the show, but sticking around and, like, actively discussing it. Like, they really, really love it. Yeah, and, and I've it's been my experience. When you use a GIF or you use um, something funny to go along with just, you know, I mean, it's one thing to tweet – words, but when you add a little something special, that that to me says that you're excited about something. At least when I tweet stuff like that, that's what that means. So so it's good to see that people are, um, like you said, actively tweeting and being excited about the show. Well, now uh, let's get into our discussion of the season one Supergirl episode titled Blood Bonds. Uh, It's episode nine of the season and uh, the first one back after their holiday hiatus. Um, Here's the official description from CBS. Quote, with Astra in captivity at the DEO, her husband Nan captures Hank, leading to a tense standoff between the two sides. Also, Kara continues to refute Kat's allegations that she is Supergirl. Uh, end quote. Um, yeah, let's, let's get right into it, because this episode was kind of bananas. Um, <laughs> and uh, let's first talk about the whole... Uh, Hank Astra situation and that um, non-capturing Hank and all of that. Uh, What did you think about non-capturing Hank and using him as a bargaining chip? I have started to really like Non as a villain. 
And I think that's probably because he's very unashamed of being bad. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I like the way that they're using some of these, I don't want to say evil Kryptonians, but some of these Kryptonians that are going along with him. I sort of like the way they place them in the episode, you know, high up in the sky during the trade-off and, and things like that where they seem very menacing. So I like what they're doing with Nan as a villain. And I especially liked the way this episode started where it picked up right where it left off in uh, the episode before the break. Like they collided with each other and then they flew up into the air and kind of got interrupted by a plane, which was pretty funny. So I, I liked that whole sequence and uh, I thought it was interesting to me that non seems, he seems like a wild card in my opinion, where he, he seems like he loves Astra and he'll do what she says, but I also kind of feel like he really likes to be powerful. He likes to be in control, and I think he likes to call out their, those orders to send down all the <laughs> the army of Kryptonians. So I'm, oh, yeah. I'm very interested in what Nan does because I think he's bringing a lot of the threat. Like, Astra can sometimes be evil, but... Now, with the way they're playing her with the con- the connection to Carl, which I have grown to like, I-, I don't think she's as menacing as she once was. So I like that at least with Nan, we still get a little bit of that. Oh, yeah. I think they definitely kind of played Nan up and, and, cr- and brought Nan into the story for that reason. Because um, you need kind of the, 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 quote, bad Kryptonian that you can root against safely while also you know hoping that Kara has her family stuff work out right um I also love Nan as a villain I love what they're doing with him um and yeah he he does seem he does seem like completely unashamed to be bad and he does enjoy that power and he seemed really disappointed when when Astra called him off like (laughs) like he did the look on his face was like okay fine um but I do also love that he is very grounded like he's not like a cartoony villain he's not like like he's still very real even though he's very like clearly you know Kara needs to die you know like it's still rooted in all of the stuff that they believe um and and even if if he only believes in his own power like I think I think you know his ideology aside I think he just wants to like have the humans bow down to the Kryptonians, like bottom line. Yeah. Um, but uh, even if that's his goal, which is a very like cartoony goal, like I want to take over the world. <laughs> um, it doesn't play that way. Like he plays like somebody that you, you could actually deal with, which is really cool. I think that also comes from the grounded place. Like you were talking about with the political climate, the environmental climate that was coming from Krypton. So I think a lot of that plays into not only Astra's, motivations but his as well so i think he's sort of got some of that kind of stuff uh coming through him just as much as through her character um but the one thing i did not like about non in this episode and maybe i'm a little sensitive as a man of steel fan but i'm really kind of getting to the point where i'm like please for the love Stop taking shots at that movie because you're borrowing directly from it for some very specific shots in the show. But then you're making snide remarks that are clearly taking shots at the, at the movie. Like when Nan says, maybe I should preemptively snap your neck. Like that's totally like, don't, <laughs> don't even try to hide it. You're taking a stab at 
what Superman does to Zod in Man of Steel. I know what you're doing. It's <laughs> not, it's not anything that you're you're covering up. I know it, but it's but it's rude. Don't don't borrow things directly from that movie and then slap it in its face. Don't care for it. So uh. I would love to see the show not do that anymore. But um, at the same time, it was a good scene in which he said that because it showed the links that he was willing to go to in order to get his way. So he snaps the guy's neck right in front of Hank to show how yeah. powerful he was. So even though I was like, mm, please stop, I was also like, okay, he's a villain. Villains do that kind of thing. So I have mixed feelings on that little bit, but overall I really enjoyed Non in this episode. Yeah. And actually, just to let our listeners know, I actually have seen Man of Steel now. I'm Yay. very excited. I don't have um, to like hide <laughs> plot points from you anymore. We can talk freely about it. Exactly. And I do have to thank Rebecca for uh, getting me getting that for uh, me. Uh, Santa, uh, Santa sent you that. That was all. Santa fantastic. totally. Santa I, sent I know. You that. It was totally weird how Santa just knew. Um, but, <laughs> That's what Santa but, does. No, he knows. It, it's true. Santa does have a list for a reason. Um, but, yeah, so I finally seen it. And I totally, yeah, picked up on that now that I have seen it. Um, but in this case, I mean, yeah, personally, I don't mind because I feel like it was, like, taking shots. But, like, it was more taking shots at the fan reaction to Man of Steel rather than at Man of Steel itself. I, I feel like it was kind of like, like, this is what people, like, this will make people laugh because they know what people say about this movie, not I'm poking fun at this movie. I can see that, but then I also see, like, the next day where all the the website reviews are like, look, they took a shot at Man of Steel again. And I'm like, oh, stop. Yeah, and a lot of times fans don't realize when they're being made fun of. Uh <laughs> Because I'm sure, and you know, if I ever do get to be a TV writer, I'm totally going to make fun of fans all the time, and I will count the times when they realize they're being made fun of or not in the show. <laughs> um, no, I would never do that to anyone. Wink, wink. Um, but yeah, like I, I loved Nan, and I loved Hank in this because now that we know who he is, watching him being taken prisoner is very interesting. Because we know he can do something about it. We know that he's more powerful than he is letting on. Um, and it was interesting to watch this alien, which, by the way, skeeved me out. I could not look at this thing. Oh, the, the, the guy with all the, the eyes. With all the Oh, my God. Yeah. I wanted to vomit. Like, it was horrible. And I was like, oh, my God. I don't, I don't even want to know. I can't. Like, I could barely watch the scene because was he was gross. so gross. Yeah. Um, but because I have a thing about, like, eyes and holes in your head. It's a whole thing. Ew. <laughs> anyway, so... But when that was happening, you know, he couldn't read Hank's mind. Mm -hmm. And watching Hank just sit there and kind of know that at any time he could probably get out of this. Um, but he's like playing the role and kind of letting it happen. And I thought that was really interesting uh, to see how he's going to take this being Martian Manhunter thing going forward and how important actually being Hank Henshaw of the DEO is to him. Um, I, and that's something – oh, sorry. I was just going to say that's something that we could talk about later with regard to his conversation with Kara about how important Catco is to her. But I think it, it's interesting to see like um, how seriously he takes his role in the DEO and um, what he might do to protect that. 
Yeah, and to an extent, I agree with that. Like, I appreciated that he took what he does as the director of the DEO, that he took it so seriously and that he wanted to protect that because that allowed him to help people in a certain way. But at the same time, it also really frustrated me that he got taken prisoner and then he didn't do anything. Like we had talked about on the character spotlight of Martian Manhunter about just Mm -hmm. how many powers he had. I mean, the list was ginormous. And he didn't use any of them. Maybe he he used one to to block the, the dude with all the eyes. But I felt like maybe he could have done something because when he didn't, he was also putting DEO agents and soldiers in danger. Um, when he was more powerful than any of them. And so to me, while I see the nobility of what he wants to do to protect his secret identity, I also think that was a little, not selfish, but almost cowardly a little bit, that he didn't do anything. And I know it was because he wanted to protect himself from being exposed, But at the same time, when he puts someone's life in danger like that, when he could do something, I don't find that very heroic. Well, I think, too, it's it's not just to to help himself. I mean, he has faith in his team. He has faith in Kara. He has faith in Alex. And I think he knew that they could handle themselves. Like, I don't think if they were actually in a situation that was like way over their head that he would have sat idly by and watched. Like if, if, if Kara or if uh, Alex were like seriously about to be killed, something would have happened. But I feel like they, they encounter such dangerous situations all the time and he knows that they are capable of, of handling themselves. I think he, he didn't think that, you know, uh, he knew that in the end they would come through and they would get him out of this in a way that, and I, th- I think that that showed kind of a tremendous amount of of faith on his part in them, faith, which I faith, think is really cool. And faith is a big theme of this episode, which um, we'll talk. Oh about, yeah, actually. which I intend yeah. to talk about later with the Kara cat situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but to to a certain extent, I would agree with that because his faith in them was uh, absolutely placed in the right way because they did come through for him. Uh, They were able to rescue him without him having to reveal himself. So I I guess I see it both ways, but I did kind of, I was like, "Mm." Like in the moment you were like, do something. (laughs) I don't know. After after learning how many powers he had, I was just like, okay, and you're just going to sit there and do nothing. That's weird. Well, let's uh, let's move on then, and let's talk about um, the relationship and the interaction between Astra and Kara, because I thought that was really it, it was handled in an interesting way in this episode. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I actually think that this part of it was the strongest. I think for me, like this stuff with Kara and Astra. And the non-stuff and then the flashbacks on Krypton I thought were the strongest parts of this episode. Um, But I really liked that, you know, Kara, as Supergirl, goes into the prison cell in the DEO where they're keeping Astra. And at first, she can't really do anything um, with her. She can't get any information out of her. Um, 
but at some point, Kara's like, I'm going to be strong about this. And she basically tells Astra, you know, you've put yourself in this prison. You've done this to yourself. And mm-hmm. I like that it, she was able to stand up to her. I, I thought that she echoed Allura a little bit when she did that. I, I think there are a lot of <laughs> clear and obvious parallels uh, with Kara and Astra's relationship and Allura and Astra's relationship and I thought that it was really neat that as strong and as, you know, tough as Kara was when she went up against Astra, it wasn't until she said, I'm going to hear your side of the story to Astra, that that's when Astra was going to tell her the truth. Mm-hmm. Like she was like, I'm willing to listen to you. And I thought that that, <laughs> in some ways, that was a good learning experience for me to be like, if you want to get to know somebody, if you want to get information out of somebody, maybe just listen to them. So yeah. I thought that that was a great moment for her because it was a very simple act of just hearing someone else's side of it. Definitely. I mean, I think that's always been one of Kara's strengths. Uh, you know, we all, we've seen it happen before with uh, Reactron and with various other villains that she's dealt with on this show where she always gives them a chance to talk to her. She always says, what can I do for you? How, like, why are you doing this? How can I help make this happen for you so that you don't blow up a building or, you know, a train or whatever. (laughs) Like, how can we work this out in a nonviolent way? Like, that's always kind of her first approach. Um, But I think it's interesting that with family, it was her last approach Mm. because uh, Astra holding this information about her mother over her head kind of blinded her a little bit and kind of made her not her usual self because – you know, with with anybody else, you know, they're a stranger. It's very easy. It's almost easier to listen to a stranger tell you what they need and want. But when it's somebody close to you who can like with the information they have kind of, you know, niggle at you like right on your nerve, you know, it's uh, it's harder, especially since, as she said in the episode, her memory of her mother is really one of the few things she has left. And for Astra to come along and tamper with that was like the worst thing imaginable for her at that moment after having already lost her parents and her her planet and all of that like the last shred of krypton that she had for herself was being tampered with and so it's understandable that she couldn't extend that to astra when she's able to extend it to every other villain so to finally see kara be able to do that i th- i thought it was a huge sign of strength on her part And it was awesome to see Astra kind of soften up because, you know, not only was she being given a chance to really explain herself, but she saw her sister in Kara. And what what must that have felt like for her? Oh, yeah, because they've both lost Alora. Yeah. um, I I think that would both affect them. And and that's one of the things I liked about this episode is getting to see more of Allura and Astra's relationship because they did genuinely care for her. I loved that Allura tells Astra, like, I'm doing what I'm doing because I have it's my job. You killed some people. It's like on I've been watching The Last Man on Earth recently. Oh, yeah. uh, Not to, you know, spoil anybody because this isn't a big spoiler plot point, but they always talk about you do the crime, you do the time. And so (laughs) um, so I think that's kind of what Allura was thinking, like you killed these people. And so you have to do the time for that. And so that's 
what her motivation was. But at the same time, she was like, I believe you, Astra. I know Krypton is dying and I love you and I believe in you. And I really liked seeing their dynamic and seeing that not only did Allura love her sister, because I mean, Allura in this version, she's more loving and um, she seems to be kind of what Kara is going to kind of grow into, I think. So I sort of expected Allura to love Astra, but it almost in this episode seemed like Astra wanted to return that love for Allura. And so I liked seeing that there was mutual affection for each other on both of their sides. I also, by the way, love the flashbacks too. Um, getting that little extra bit of insight and also seeing how even in the court, Nan is the more angry one. He's the bigger believer of the two in the yeah. cause. And like that almost trumps everything with him. Whereas uh, for, for Astra, especially because it's her sister sentencing her to Fort Roz, it's harder. Like family always kind of screws everything up because <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's harder to, to take things from the people closest to you. So I thought that was really interesting that even back then, Nan was still like, come on, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's always been um, that guy. He's always been that guy. Um, but yeah, I really loved how how Kara and Astra's relationship was handled and that we got to see kind of the reason why Kara is such a great hero. I think in, in large part, it's due to her mother. Um, I think through the flashbacks and the fact that Astra compares them, uh, you know, she says, you you know, you remind me of your mother right now or you're so much like her, Kara, she says. We can see that the the apple didn't fall too far from the tree, as right. it were, which is really cool to see as well, that she not only is a hero, but she inherited this uh, <laughs> from the most important woman in her life, which is right. really, really cool. Now, here's – we're going to go into a part of the episode that I am just like, ugh, I want to like strangle this guy. <laughs> Maxwell Lord, oh my god, I want to punch him in a stupid smug face. <laughs> and, and not for like – Okay, well, I'll, I feel like I have a lot to say about this, so I'll let you, you talk about Maxwell first and what you thought about his part in this episode. Yeah, I guess the main thing that I took away from Maxwell Lord here is that he he's a bad guy. He's evil. He's doing evil things. He's doing shady things. Um, and so I like that. I like that we're getting to see a, a bad guy who is is going to be upfront about it. I mean, when he has James in that like interrogation room, he <laughs> he 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 jokes about not wanting to be a Bond villain and like monologuing and telling James all of his secrets, but he sort but of He's still, totally being a Bond. He, but he sort of still did it. Um but I liked that scene because he's not afraid to just punch an innocent guy who's tied up and can't defend himself. I think that's that's pretty good villainy in my book. And I did, even though I thought it was a little melodramatic that he like smashed James James's camera, I was like, "That's actually pretty cool that you you took a bat and destroyed his camera." Um, in terms of villainy, um, yeah, I, I thought that was great. And um, I I still I'm not like sold on his motivations. Like I get he wants humanity to be the best, and he doesn't like the Kryptonians. But I I, I feel like it's a little weak. But I do like. The, we, the way Peter Fascinelli plays him because he seems very determined. Um, he seems very done with the government and with the DEO. Like, he even, like, I'm not worried about Alex and Maxwell Lord hooking up anymore because he was 
rude to her, like mean to her at the beginning. She didn't seem to want to have anything really to do with him. So I'm not as worried about that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but he, I just, I just was glad that he was upfront about being a bad guy. Um, because I think that shows how much like he could give a rip about other people and like what other people think of him. So I kind of like that. I mean, I know you like your villains straight up. Uh, and that's, uh, we've talked before about how we, we kind of like our, our villains a little bit different. Right. But that's, but even like that aside, I had a lot of trouble with Maxwell Lord and, and really this was kind of a writing thing because it's, it felt like he was being really obstinate and stubborn for no reason, except that the script needed him to be obstinate and stubborn. For example, in the beginning where, you know, Alex is trying to kind of lock down uh, Lord Technologies because, you know, she needs to secure the perimeter or what have you. And he's like, no, I'll, I'll protect myself with my weapon. And I'm, I was thinking to myself, oh, that weapon that didn't work the first time? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was that did a great job. Like, like he's actively, like, we've actively seen over and over how he can't protect himself. And yet he's still determined that, like, he's the best person to to protect himself and that, you know, like he needs no help from anybody because he can do a good job. I'm like, you haven't done a good job. People keep attacking you and you keep letting it happen. Are you blind, deaf, or or just stupid? Like, uh, so it just felt like, like his constant harping about, oh, I can't trust the government. Oh, I can't trust the government. Seems like almost too stupid for someone of his intellect. Like, it, like he's just determined like he, he it's basically like him sticking his fingers in his ears going la 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 like uh, and someone that is that is as smart as he is i just didn't buy that i feel like there needs to be something else like coming up in his motivations to make that make sense to me i totally understand where you're coming from um but i i think what is interesting about maxwell in this episode is that he's got something up his sleeve by the name of Jane Doe, who has brain trauma in this secret 52 room of his. So I don't know necessarily that I feel like he's being stubborn, even though he is. I just think he's got a secret weapon that he's not telling anybody about. Maybe he's been failing on his own with his little gun, I guess that is, that he's carrying. But he's also got something else in the works that if it turns out to be, let's say, Bizarro Girl... She could be a weapon that he could use to fight the aliens. So I I sort of think in some respects that's really smart of him because he's devising something that will help him accomplish his goal that does make him look really smart and really savvy. So if that turns out to be the case, I don't know. I I sort of like that. Well, even, you know, with his – I kind of felt this way about him and General Douchebag, a.k.a. Sam Lane, in this episode, (laughs) Um, because uh, both of them seem to be this, like, you know, we hate aliens. We need to put humanity first. But, like, I mean, this is honestly how stupid, like, racists sound, too, right? Like, like, it's irrational, right? It's irrational hatred. It doesn't have any, like, it doesn't come from anything other than, like, ignorance and fear, right? But, like, there's no reason for them to feel that way except that they just do. Like, well, I don't like aliens. Why? I don't know. I don't know that that's 100% because there were Kryptonians who broke into 
Lord Technologies and tried to kill him. And right, but he felt that way before that. Well, that's, like, it, that's it, it's true. not like that's new. Like ever since Supergirl arrived on the scene, he's been like harping about this. That's like true. and well, and, and well, with Sam Lane, even though I agree, he was he was pretty hardcore in this this episode. Um, but I felt like he gave some good explanation, at least at, at least storytelling wise. I liked that there was some sort of motivation behind him just not liking aliens. It came from a place in his childhood and what kind of stuck with him. Um, yeah, but that, but that's... I uh, but I also think like he's seen some things. He's been in the DEO. There are there are aliens on Earth from Fort Ross who are bad aliens who have done bad things. So I can sort of see it both ways. Like they're not, they're just hating on every alien. And I think that's the problem is that it's not like, oh, Supergirl's a good one over here. And those other ones, they're bad because they're doing bad things. They just hate all of them. So I, I I think that both sides kind of play a part. Yeah. Well, no, and that's, and that's really the frustrating thing too, especially, uh, well, for both of them, really. But, like, how many times does Supergirl have to save your life before she gets a pass? Right. Like, how, like, what does she have to do to, like, to be one of the good ones, quote, end quote? Um, oh, the other thing was that uh, it's funny because there's a little bit of social commentary sprinkled into the episode. Like, uh, when James goes to uh, to get information out of Maxwell Lord at first and – a lord starts talking about the press as far as you know oh well you can't trust the press they you know put celebrities on a pedestal and i'm like okay okay and like yeah they they totally you know make us care about the wrong things and prioritize the wrong things okay okay and then he looks at james so so he's making this really like savvy argument against the press and some of their their failings and i'm like totally i'm right there with you and then he looks at james and he says you wouldn't know what it's like to be like a victim of the press. Like you've never been on that side of it. And I'm like, you are looking at a black man talking about how he might not, he doesn't know what it feels like to be victimized by the press. And I'm thinking about all the times when like, you know, black criminals are referred to as thugs in the media and like all this stuff. And I'm like, are you serious, Maxwell Lord? You rich white guy feel more victimized by the press than like this black guy. Are you kidding me? (laughs) And so it's kind of threw his whole argument out the window because I was like, dude, you're trying to be really smart right now. And you are just totally like hitting your dumb blind spot and I can't even handle it right now. Well, <laughs> I was just like, I'm done with you, Max. Maybe he didn't see color and all he saw was James Olsen and James Olsen has not been subjected uh, by the media that we know of. Um, but I do agree that that the way you outline it there does make it uh, kind of silly. But uh, yeah, it, yeah it's, well, I mean, it's, the, it's it, bad on Maxwell Lord's part at just bottom line because he sees himself better than other everybody else right well and of course you know obviously james olsen is like a rich black guy who's friends with superman like i get that but like he's it, it just seemed like he was trying to make a really nuanced argument and the whole like he's trying to be socially conscious but then he doesn't quote see color when it suits him it's like come on dude um <laughs> yeah no i agree. but <laughs> but um yeah, let's talk about the the whole Jane Doe thing because yeah, the the rumor going around or the 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 general consensus is that it is Bizarro Girl, um, at least that I've seen on the internet, which is of course so reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that. Like, I kind of hope 
that it is and that it's not just some big fake out and that she's actually something else. Like, because I cannot wait to to see Bizarro Girl on the show and we know she's coming. But how would that be explained? It's really interesting how if that's who she is, but she's tagged as this brain trauma patient, what does that mean? Is And how how do you think they'll, they're going to reimagine Bizarro Girl if that's the case? Well, I have conflicting thoughts on this too. This whole episode was like... It was just one big... Con- conflicted feeling yeah after <laughs> I was just like well I like this but I really really don't like this um yeah Bizarro Girl I would really love to see I think we both enjoyed that trade immensely and that would be super fun but I also when I saw the chick in the scene it didn't look like it was Melissa Benoist and that's yeah. that sort of b- bummed me out a little bit no offense to that lady but I was sort of hoping that Melissa would get to play a bizarro version of herself. Right. And so that sort of bums me out. And the Jane Doe with brain trauma is an interesting concept if you're going to reimagine Bizarro Girl because I kind of think the brain trauma is going to play into the, oh, she speaks differently kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'm also like, is there no Bizarro World? Is Bizarro Girl just going to be this patient who is manipulated by Maxwell Lord and there actually yeah. is no Bizarro World? Like, I was hoping if we saw Bizarro Girl, it would be because she came from Bizarro World. And I don't know if they're holding too tight to a realistic version of this world and these characters. But um, I don't know. I'm going to wait and see see what happens. She might not even be Bizarro Girl. Yeah. I, I'm still conflicted on it. Well, I was trying to think of who else she could be because um, she had those big black eyes. And Bizarre Girl has like red eyes, doesn't she? Like she has like those um, – because I was looking at the trade and she has like black and red eyes. And so who else – like what other female villains or antagonists uh, are there in that Supergirl would deal with that have like big pools of black eyes? Yeah, I don't know. I think the most likely candidate for this Jane Doe is Bizarro Girl. Um, yeah. Unless unless we're told otherwise, I, I think that's who she is. Um, yeah. So we'll see. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll I'll wait it out and see what how they present her. But uh, I'm I'm sort of bummed out about it. I didn't get a look like a good look at her face because it just happened so fast. So I was kind of hoping that it would that it was Melissa Benoist and I just missed it. Um, but uh, probably not. In which case I. It, I would be kind of bummed if they kind of sap the the kind of the power out of Bizarro Girl because, you know, that's a really strong character. And yeah. if they like kind of suck out everything that makes her cool, it's like, well, what's the point? Yeah, because I think what we both I don't want to speak for you, Teresa, but what I think I loved about Bizarro Girl was that she was a reflection of Kara. And uh, I think if you make Bizarro Girl this Jane Doe who isn't Kara then you kind of don't get that. You don't you don't get as much to play about that. So I think that would lessen it for me. But like I said, I'll I'll wait it out and see what they do. It might be awesome. So uh, we'll just we'll just have to see what Maxwell Lord does with her. Yeah, no, and and you're right. I did. That's one of the things that draws me to the character too is that they kind of have a parallel existence and. Kara can kind of teach her the, quote, right way to be about certain things and, and, you know, kind of teach her what it's like to be on the reverse side and all of that. But we will see uh, how that's handled. 
Um, I mean, the last big thing that we haven't talked about yet, but we really should because it it was <laughs> another one to. of it was another one of the points <laughs> of frustration for me too was Cat and Kara. I will let you go ahead and talk about it because I need to compose myself. I spent the majority of today trying to compose myself because last night after the episode was over, I had to like find a way to cope with what happened. I was like, (laughs) I need to put on some Bonnie Raitt or some Adele. Like I was having a vigil, a a vigil for the relationship between Kat and Kara because I felt like, honestly, I felt like they sort of ruined it for me. Um, like, I don't I don't want to say I hate what Kara did to Kat because hate to me seems like a strong word. Um, like, the, I mean, the scene with the, the Supergirl and the Kara together, it was executed well. I thought Melissa did a good job of playing both of the parts of Kara and Supergirl. And I, I thought the way they, they did it was actually really clever. But I 100% did not like the choice that was made there to have... Kara straight up deceive Kat. Um, that actually is one of the reasons that sometimes I really dislike Superman. And it specifically reminded me of Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, which, you know, I can deal with Nuclear Man and I actually kind of <laughs> I, I kind of respect the the fact that Superman tries to get rid of all the nuclear weapons. Like, some of that's okay. But the thing that I hate about that movie is that Clark Kent uses Lois Lane to make himself feel better, and then he mind-wipes her. Mm -hmm. And that's what I felt like Kara did to Kat in this episode. Like, Kara is the whole time... Let me dig up all these quotes. She says, like, this is her justification for what she does to to Kat. She says, I feel like I lost everything. I can't stop Max or get through to Astra. I can't rescue Hank or salvage what I had with Kat. Even the memory of my own mother, the one thing that I could always count on is ruined. I have nothing left. And so she feels like with Kat knowing her secret, that part of her life is over. And so the only one of the the ways that she thinks that she can make herself feel better is to reset that relationship with Kat. And after that's over, she feels great. She feels normal. She's fine. But I feel like this episode did a huge disservice to Kat Grant um, Mm -hmm. because that last episode where she's the one who figures it out, she doesn't need anyone to tell her. It's not something she has to see. She puts all the pieces together. It said a lot about her as a former investigative journalist and um, a Daily Planet reporter and just a smart woman in general. And I felt like they just threw all of that out of the window because um, when she sees Supergirl and Kara together, she's like, "Uh, I guess I was wrong. And I'm like, no, you weren't wrong. (laughs) You just got tricked into thinking you were wrong. And what I didn't like about that was it's sort of played for laughs. Like, it's cutesy and, and yeah. you know, you're supposed to, oh, cat, you're you're so crazy, cat. Like, that's what you're supposed to take away from that. But I just, like, that would just gutted me. Because yeah. I think it's just, it takes all the all of that away from Kat. And, and Kat, even when she's talking about, you know, the secret identity thing where she continually throughout the episode is, like, pestering Kara about the secret. And I think, <laughs> I think she does it 
coming from the right place. I'm sure for, from Carr's perspective, she's like, oh, she's hounding me. But Kat, I think, was just trying to get her to admit it. Like, yeah. she's like, stop what? lying to me. I know what's up. But, like, Kat calls the, the little game they're playing, she calls it tiresome. And I was like, yes, Kat, this whole trope is tiresome. Yeah. This Silver yeah. Age nonsense needs to stay in the Silver Age. Like, <laughs> this should never be a thing that happens in the present day. And yeah. that's what, one of the things I love about Man of Steel and why I'm such a proponent of what they did with Lois Lane in that movie is because they said, screw that trope. We're not doing that anymore because it makes Lois look dumb and we want to change that and respect the character. And I kind of honestly, I don't think they respected Kat's character in this episode. And what made it even more gutting to me is I don't feel like Kara respected Kat in this episode. And that that made me so upset because I really have loved their relationship on the show. It's probably been my favorite aspect of yeah. the series was – Kara and Kat's relationship. And, of course, Kat Grant has become my favorite character. I'm sorry, Supergirl, but she yeah. has been my favorite character on the show. And and Kara makes this big speech um, to Kat. She says whenever About I'm, how, how much she means to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this episode, she's like, whenever I'm confused or overwhelmed, I come in your office and you somehow sense it. It's like your superpower. And she she says all of this stuff to Kat to make it seem like she, she cares about her and respects her so much but then she goes and does that, and I'm like, mm, I don't think you respect her at all because you don't have faith in her to, yeah. to, to trust her enough to do that. And I think if Kat was going, if Carl was worried that Kat was going to expose her, I think that was a dumb worry because Kat could have done it. Kat would have, yeah. already, Kat would have already plastered that all over Cat Co Media stuff. It would have it, right. it would it would would have been all over the news, all over their websites, everywhere. But Cat didn't do that, and so I I thought that that was silly of her to do. And and Kara actually talked about faith in this episode. She says um, to Astra, she says, "I still have faith uh, that there is good in you." And Astra says, "I'm not worth your faith." And Kara says, "Everyone deserves faith." And I was like, "Really, Kara? Everyone? Because really? you have no faith in Cat? Everyone, or maybe just everyone except Cat Grant?" So, I yeah, I had many many issues about this aspect of the episode. Totally. I mean, I agree with everything that you said. And what I want to add is, well, first of all, the the silver lining in all of this is that. Despite the fact that I disagree with this even happening in the first place, I do love one that Kara knows about Martian Manhunter now. And two, that the first thing that she does when she finds out that she's friends with a shape-shifting alien is to get them to fool her boss. Like that's like she just discovers John Jones and now She's like, okay, like it, it kind of felt like something that would happen in an animated series. Like, okay, can you help me out with this problem real quick? I just need you to pretend to be me and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, I liked that part of it. As far as cat goes, I agree. Why are you so anti cat finding out? There's like zero reason. Like, and it, and it really does backpedal their whole relationship. Like, they've spent so much time building trust between them, building like this mutual respect and Kat as a mentor. And, you know, Kat giving 
quote, Supergirl advice in front of Kara. Like, Kara's been taking the Supergirl advice, too. And to see all of that undone in one moment was really horrible. And I thought it was a really poor choice. But it's not just Kara that I'm mad at. Um, I'm also mad at Cat Grant because she kept harping about it. Mm. Here's the thing. People have a right to share or not share whatever they want about their lives. And Kat, because she's a little bit self-centered, um, thinks that everything has to revolve around her. She's finding out this big secret. And, and I think that the excuse that they gave kind of in the episode or that they had Kat give was a little bit like, I don't necessarily buy this. She says something to the effect of, you know, I was watching the news tonight and I saw Supergirl's exploits or whatever. And then when you're here, I see all these people not being saved. And I don't want that responsibility on my conscience. Like, I can't have you working here knowing that people out there need you. <clears throat> and the thing is, like, she says that, but then she says something like, well, I know that, you know, Supergirl could pull off that party trick. Or that parlor trick yeah. of, of being here and there at the same time. So she's not actually concerned that, that you know, Kara can do both things. She just wants to know. And the thing is, if, if Kara doesn't want to tell you, why keep harping on it? Why not just, like, know and treat her accordingly? Like, if, like, obviously now, if she's not in the office, she might be off saving somebody. Don't fire her. You know, like she's not just being a lazy employee. Now, you know, she's Supergirl. Treat her accordingly. Like for for Kat to pry, I thought was also very because you don't know why she's keeping the secret. Like, you know, maybe if Kat knows for sure that puts, you know, it's the whole and it, it is an annoying trope, but like puts her in danger because she can, you know, then she'd expect to, you know, if Kat knows this, then she's going to be asking questions about, oh, well, what do you do when you are Supergirl? Like. And she'd want even more information. Like, you give Kat an inch, she'll take a yard. And so uh, I was kind of pissed off at Kat, too, in this episode. Because I was like, listen, just drop it. Just She doesn't want to tell you. Just drop it. You know it's true. Just leave it alone. And so now she's kind of – I felt like there was a little bit of she brought this on herself because – there was no reason why she had to harp on it this much in the first place. So I thought Kara made a mistake. I thought Kat made a mistake. And I thought the writers made a mistake with both of them and just totally undid all the good work that they did on both of these women. Yeah. And I, I'm kind of upset about that because you're right. Like this, this totally undoes everything and it makes them both look like idiots and makes them both look really selfish. And now we're back to square one. For what? I don't understand. Yeah, the, the status quo has totally been reset, which is frustrating me. And it frustrates me on every show that that happens on. Um, I would disagree on a couple of those points. I do think Kat does care about people who get rescued by Supergirl. I think um, she's had those experiences where, like, her son was rec rescued by Supergirl. And she you know, worked with Supergirl to help Livewire. And I think she's seen how people are saved by Supergirl. And I think she knows that, like, Kara getting her coffee every day is preventing her from doing something awesome and heroic. Because I think Supergirl has influenced her and inspired her. And I think she's just saying your assets are better used somewhere else. And I, I for one, totally bought that. Um, because I think Kat does care about that. Um, yeah. And, and as far as the uh, 
and also with Kat calling Kara out about not liking her job, she's like, I know you don't like this job. And Kara's like, no, I, I love this job. I really like working here. And I'm like, no, you don't. In the pilot, there is a whole scene where Kara is sitting around with Alex being like, oh, I thought when I started at Cat Cove, I was going to help people and I'm not doing anything. My life means nothing. And like, that's the whole reason that she likes becoming Supergirl is that she can get out there and help people and actually make a difference because she's not doing that at Cat Cove. So Cat was actually 100% correct in that scene. Um, but See, I-, I, I think it was less about like not liking the job and more about not liking how Cat treats her. Because Kat treated her like garbage and made her feel worthless a lot of the time. That's true. And so, you know, of course you don't feel like you're helping anybody when not only are you just getting them coffee, but they can't remember your name and they're treating you like garbage. Like, yeah, you don't feel like you're making a difference. Now that Kat's become like a mentor to her, she can actually like give Kara more responsibility. Like she's feeling more like a part of Catco as opposed to just some nameless drone who gets her coffee. True. And I also like the the stuff that you mentioned about Kat harping on her. I did think she was kind of like pressing her about it a little too much. And you're right. Like if somebody doesn't have, um, uh, if they don't feel that they want to share something, that they absolutely do not have to tell you anything. Like I, I experienced that when I was going through my cancer stuff. Like if I didn't feel like somebody needed to know what was going on with me I didn't say anything but if I wanted somebody to know like that's my thing I will tell you when I'm ready and and when I think it's appropriate but I also was thinking about Superman and all the times that I've seen Superman get busted especially by Lois Lane and how when that happens he's like all right you got you got my number you know the jig is up I will I will like I give Christopher Reeves Superman a lot of crap, but in those movies, even, you know, before he mind wipes her, (laughs) he will say, all right, Lois, you're right. I'll admit it. You know, Dean Cain's Clark was like that. Um, Tom Welling's Clark was like that in some of the instances where he got busted. Like, I've seen Superman do that. Like, even, um, even Henry Cavill in Man of Steel, like, Lois shows up at his mom's house. Like, he can't wiggle his way out of that. Yeah, there's no... And so he has to admit, okay, I will give you the respect you deserve because you have figured this out. And I felt like Kara didn't even allow Kat the chance to be like, I'm right about this. Like, she kept, even after Kat had her remove the glasses... Carl was still like, no, you're just crazy, Miss Grant. You're just crazy. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, she's not even... so true. She's not even willing to admit that Kat was right. And that's that's another... That's a whole other source of frustration for me. So I I feel like it would have worked better for me if Kara at least had respected Kat's ability to put the pieces together. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I mean, she figured it out. She laid it all out. Like, like they had that whole conversation on the balcony where like, you know, and then I thought about this and then I thought about this and then and I was like, yep, yep. And yep. Like, like when she's laying out the case like that, you should just be like, you're right. Please don't tell anybody. And (laughs) and would that would that have hurt either of them if she had done that? Like, if she had just been like, Miss Grant, you're right. I am Supergirl. And I would appreciate it if you didn't tell anybody. 
That right. that I would have been blown away by. And what's because when you you said something earlier that I kind of disagreed with, but it doesn't matter because this whole thing was so messed up anyway that it doesn't <laughs> make a difference. But like when uh, as far as the prying and the the continuing to to badger her about it, like yes, she figured it out, and then Kara was like denying it. So clearly, Kara doesn't want you to know. And I I I don't think that that Cat doesn't care about the people that that. Supergirl could be saving. That's not what I meant at all. What I meant is that I think she knows that Kara being in the office doesn't mean she can't be also out saving people. Like she can clearly do both. She already has done both many times. Um, So that concern for her, like that the idea that by Kara working there, she can't also be saving people at the same time has already been proven wrong over and over because she totally like always leaves the office to go save somebody and I mean they're watching the news like she well she kind of has like front row seats to all the disasters and she kind of like ducks out every now and again goes to save a building comes back but then like, there, but then there's the episode like and how does she do it where she clearly can't do both at the same time oh, of course she can't well, she can't be the babysitter in the, in the office and um save the train and do all of that stuff so there are instances well, where I think she can't of course, well, of course, but but the thing is, like, she also doesn't have to. A big point of that episode is that, like, the whole "how does she do it?" question is a bad question because it's like the whole like women having it all. Like, sometimes you don't want it all. Like, so you have to do this first and then do this. Like, so if Kara like doesn't feel like saving people one day or whatever. Like if she wants that space where she just gets to be Cara Danvers assistant who serves coffee, she has a right to do that. Totally. Like, like people, you know, like, uh, like cat expecting her to give up that little nugget of, of normalcy to go be a superhero. It's like, like, you know, I, I'm doing this for you. And it's like, well, don't do it for me because that's not what I want. You know, <laughs> like, like I don't want to be Supergirl 24-7. That's why I'm here. That's why I love this job is because it gives me a place to go where I can just be around people and, and remember how to be human and and have friends and have a life outside of that. And, w- and what I would have liked from Kara in this episode if she had told Kat that. Yeah, yeah. If they had talked about it. That would have made such a better scene and uh that would have furthered their relationship oh totally if i was in if i was in the writer's room i would have been like oh my god can we just have them have the conversation because i can't take this anymore um because i would love to see cat act as a real mentor to supergirl like knowing that she's supergirl and now Kara has her to come to to talk about you know how am i going to do this i'm having trouble with this and they can have a real mentor mentee bond with everything out on the table and then you could really deepen their relationship but now it's like now it's just the standard tired she doesn't know she's my crazy excitable boss like it it just got bad i was trying to work this out with a friend of mine before i talked to you because i didn't want to like pop a blood vessel tonight while we talked about this episode because I I felt (laughs) like I was like was wearing my cranky pants and I was fired up about it and my friend Christy made a good point like she was like you know Supergirl is very impulsive she's very um you know brash and impatient and so for her to make that decision to trick Kat was sort of Supergirl 
that she would kind of do that. And I was like, yeah, I can I can sort of go with that a little bit, but I don't like that they made her ha- make this choice because I, I did feel very disappointed in Kara. And I can see it from your perspective of why you were disappointed with Kat, but I think Kara took the biggest hit for me in this episode because I don't, I mean, I don't need my heroes to be perfect. I don't need them to always, you know, accomplish everything and do everything the right way, but I would at least like like for them to try to at least try and make the right choices. And I think for this scenario, I don't think Kara made the right choice in how to handle this. And so I think that's where a lot of my disappointment comes from. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's clearly a lot of, and, and this is not excusing it because I agree with you a hundred percent, but as far as the, uh, well, first of all, as far as that um, decision to fool cat being very Supergirl, I would agree with that. If this were to happen in like, you know, if there weren't like three times in the episode where Kat proved or or had a a reason to think that she was Supergirl, like if if Kat hadn't badgered her at all about it, had only brought it up the one time, and then once she finds out that John Jones is who he is, has him do that. Then I, I might have bought it because it it would have had enough time, you know, enough time would have elapsed. It wouldn't have been as like insistent a thing that she tell her. But like now the way it happened, it was like now you're just rubbing salt in the wound at this point. Like she's coming at you time and time again with test after test, proving you're Supergirl and you're still like, no, 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 no. And it's like clearly she's right like and she keeps coming back to you proving she's right like now is not the time to whip out you know tricking her yeah. like you might have been able to get away with that earlier not now and i think that that was the mistake is the is just the execution of all of this which is really really wrong yeah and um, what i found really crazy about this episode is that the heroes in the episode do a lot of lying Kara and Jean trick Kat. Um, and what I thought was really hypocr- hypocritical of Kara is she's like, when she finds out about Jean, she's like, you guys could have told me I can keep a secret. And I was like, shut your mouth. And <laughs> um, and then like James tells Maxwell Lord that he um, that the media's job is to report the truth. And I was like, oh, he must be hanging out with Lois. But then he lies to Kara about Maxwell Lord. And yeah. and Kara gets upset with James and Wynn, and she's like, "You both lied to me." And um, Kara even says to Kat, she says, "The truth is, I need you more than I ever have." And so, a lot of the things that the heroes in this episode were doing were telling lies. And what was so interesting to me was that the bad guys were the ones who were kind of being truthful. Astra was the one who, when she finally got Kara to listen to her, she finally told her the truth about Allura and what a good person she was and how um, her sister actually believed in her. And General Lane, even if he was a piece of crap in this episode, he admitted his feelings about the aliens and how the day the Earth stood still gave him nightmares and all that kind of stuff. And Astra actually respected that. She was like, thank you for telling me this, that I actually find that very noble. Um, Maxwell Lord, when he's hanging out, uh, well, not when he's hanging out, when he's got... Uh, James in the interrogation room and even with Alex. Yeah, they're not hanging out. <laughs> like, like they, Maxwell Lord is like, he's letting it all hang out. Like he's, he's not deceiving anyone. He's not hiding who he is. He's actually 
telling you his real motivations. And even Kat in this episode, who I guess sort of was made out to be the bad guy in some respects, she was pursuing the truth too. So I think it's really disappointing to me that all the heroes are doing a whole bunch of lying and that the bad guys are the ones who are telling the truth. So I think that that said a lot to me about this episode. Yeah, well, you know, let's not paint too rosy a picture of the villains. After all, <laughs> you know, Astra did totally play them the first time and, and tried to bomb them. Um, well, she did not, do that. She did do that. Uh, Maxwell Lord was honest about his motivations, but not about this, you know, brain trauma patient he has locked up in his True. facility. Um, you know, Nan is just not. I mean, Nan always lets it all hang out, but we don't like him. Um, <laughs> and we, I mean, we love to hate him. Um yeah, I mean, I don't want to, you know, it's not like the villains were all like sunshine and kittens, but. No, but they were doing the things I thought the heroes should have been doing, I guess is what I'm saying. I, yeah. I felt like the heroes were doing too much of the lying, even if it was for like a good reason, like, oh, I don't want Carr to be upset. That's still a crap reason to lie to somebody. Like lying to yeah. somebody oh, no. in general is not a good thing to do. But I just felt like they were doing too much of the lying, whereas I thought it was refreshing that the bad guys were telling the truth. Yeah. Well, I think overall, I think that was my my biggest problem with the episode is that there was a lot of stuff that seemed very out of character or that the characters weren't handled well in this episode for some reason. Um, you know, I, I felt like the, the Maxwell Lord stuff was too much. I felt like the Cat Grant stuff was too much. Um, I felt like Kara while I liked how her relationship with Astra was written and I, and I do believe she would have a lot of those, like just be so angry about so many things. And that's always been a part of Supergirl, but yeah, the not communicating, the lying, like she's the best at talking. Like that's one of her strengths is that she's good at communicating with people. That's always her go-to. And now she, for some reason has decided she can't communicate with Cat Grant and they haven't really explained why to any kind of satisfaction. Like, they, like, like, she, you know, even if she wants to keep this job, you know, if, if she's very, being very protective about having this one safe space, that still doesn't explain why she doesn't just tell Kat because Kat could keep that space safe for her. Right. Kat is like the only one who really could because she's in charge of the whole thing. Exactly. It's not like it's not like telling your manager, you know, like your your middle manager, like that you're Supergirl and then your middle manager gives you crap and they can't do anything to cover for you. It's like this is the, you know, the she's head the mogul of this company. Like, she can make sure your schedule allows yeah. for Supergirling. Like, so it's, it, I don't know. It just seemed... Like everybody was doing stuff, and, and even James, like James, kind of irritated everybody. Irritated me in this episode. <laughs> me too. Like you know, James kind of just being like, I've never seen him be this way before in an episode, and it bothered me. Like he seems to be going after Maxwell Lord because he thinks that Kara can't, or like they say they're trying to help, but it's like there was also this like weird, like overly macho swagger when he's talking to him, and it's like. He's trying to prove something. And it's like, uh, just stop. Just, ugh. Like, just, it just felt very like, James, what are you doing? Like, this is not you. Like, you're, you're not this guy. And uh, it just, ugh. I don't know. I, all the characters were just wrong in this episode. The and I didn't realize how much I felt that way until just now talking to you. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I hope I wasn't so negative that it rubbed off. I was trying to find ways to communicate what I didn't like about this episode without being negative, but it was very 
difficult for me because there was a lot that I didn't like about it. But I will say for James, I did like that he was out there using his camera. I thought that was great. I liked, even though I, I agree with you, some of his characterization did feel a little macho, like he had something to prove. But I did sort of like that he and he and Wynn sort of teamed up for a little spy yes. mission at Lord Tech. I thought yes. that was fun. And I'd like to see more of just the two of them working together. Like that, that was nice. I did love that. Yeah, and and even when I liked when standing up to Kara in the door right doorway, I mean she's half cocked, ready to go beat somebody up, and he's like, "No, you need to chill. You're not." And I thought that would said a lot about when because when isn't as big as James is. Like James, I could see visually standing up to Kara. Like they still would both get beaten down by her if she really wanted to beat them up. <laughs> um, but James. You know, he's a bigger dude. So yeah. uh, so I would have expected James to be the one to stand in the doorway and be like, no, Car, you shouldn't go out there. But it was Wynn who did it. And I thought that was very interesting. Um, it showed that he had a lot of heart, even if he's not as big as James is. Um, right, totally. So, so I did think some of that was really good. And I really liked the Krypton stuff. The flashbacks were great. Uh, the Astra Kara stuff I really enjoyed. Um, but, yeah, I just... Oh, that cat Kara stuff. Oh, that, my God. That really, that destroyed a lot of what I like about this show. So I think there's maybe a way that they can make it up to me other than, like, breaking the fourth wall and being like, we're sorry, Rebecca Johnson from Supergirl Radio. We made a terrible <laughs> mistake. I know they're not going to do that. But maybe in the future, like, Kara now will come to her and tell her the truth. I per- I would have preferred it that Kat figured it out because I think that did a lot for the character of Kat Grant. And I also think if you reveal it again, it's not going to have that same kind of magic as it did in the last episode. Like I thought that was really magical that she figured it out and they had that moment. Um, Yeah. But now it's just going to be like, it's like in Superman four, like it's like, Oh, she figured it out again. And she got mind wiped again. We've already seen that in Superman too. Like it's not, it's not as magical the second time, which uh, I would also say the same as the IM chats with Clark Kent. Not as magical for me the second time. So, yeah, yeah. They, they didn't need to do that again. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I don't and, ever need to see that again. No. it You know, leave great things great um, would, right. be, would be my advice. But, I mean, as much as I disliked a lot about what they did with Kara and Kat, there were some, of the, uh, some other things in this episode that I did like. But I will say... If I had to rank them, this would be my least favorite episode of the season. Well, it's funny because I always watch episodes like first as just pure, like to take it in and then more critically. And then I I think about it. Like after I've watched it a second time, I kind of think about it uh, critically and let it rattle around in my head. When I first watched the episode, I liked it. I thought it was it was okay. And then the more you think about stuff and the more you take them apart, the more you realize, oh, wait, that didn't work. Oh, wait, that didn't work. So I felt like as an episode, like the first time out, it was fine. And then the more things sat with me and I realized how it was going to affect the rest of the storytelling and all of that, then I was like, oh, no. So yeah, don't you did not put the negativity into my head. It was already there, um, is what I'm saying. Okay, good. But uh, overall, uh, a very weak episode. I don't think it's my least favorite because I think that one is reserved for the the Helgramite episode mm. still. 
Um, cause I just thought that was so boring. Like that whole episode, I was just like, when is this going to be done? Like this one at least kept, like kept my interest and I wanted to see what happened. Right. Helgramite, I, I didn't care about anybody in that episode at that time, but yeah, it could have been done a lot better. And I think I, I do disagree though. I, I think there's still hope for a nice reveal to Kat, but it'll be about character. It won't be about the reveal of Supergirl because we still know that Kat figured it out. Like we already know that about Kat. So Kat, I don't think is ruined. Because of this, um, Kara just thinks she has succeeded in this moment, but Kat did figure it out. And so she is that smart. Nothing can take that away from her. I will say, sorry to interrupt, but I will say that if they made it later on where Kara has that strong relationship with Kat and she chooses to tell Kat because she cares about Kat, I can maybe make an exception for that. Well, that, that's what I was going to say. Like, Sorry. The, <laughs> but thank you for saying it for me. Um, yeah, I think that it'll be a character moment. It won't be about, yay, we have this reveal of this secret. It's like, I trust you enough to tell you this. Yeah. And already we know that that Kara values Kat as, as a mentor and as somebody that makes her feel better. I think Kara still has some growing up to do, as many people do in their mid-20s, to, to, to kind of – Think about what she can do for other people. And it's funny because she's such a hero, right? Like she's she's willing to throw herself in front of planes, trains, and automobiles to like save people's lives. But as far as like doing a nice thing for you, she still has a lot to learn. Like I still feel like she's in the stage where the superheroics are still about, I'm doing this great thing. Look at me. As opposed to I'm doing this for you as an individual. I am like, it's not the, like, it's not the same, you know, it's, it, oh, I yeah. feel, I feel like she still has a lot to learn in her interpersonal relationships. Whereas like, yeah, she's a great hero and all that, but like, she still has to learn how to be a better friend and how to be a better, cause right now, like a lot of people are doing things for her to serve her needs and to help her be a hero. Like Wynn and, and James are kind of there for her, which is great. They're great friends. How is she going to be a friend to them? How is she going to be a friend to Kat? Um, I think that could use some improvement once she settles into the Supergirl thing for a while because it's still new, you know? Like she's still getting used to the idea of being this person. But yeah, I feel like there, there will come a time when when she and Kat will – have a moment and and hopefully Kara will realize that she needs to do something kind for Kat and not just have Kat be there to make her feel better. I think those are excellent points. <laughs> um, well, that wraps up our really long conversation about this episode. Um, certainly the most thought-provoking of the season so far. But now let's find out what our listeners thought about Blood Bonds. At Call Me Topes said, keep getting better and better. At Dr. Ange 70 said, best episode so far. Melissa Benoist is amazing. At Is High on Life says, I am a Supergirl radio fan since episode one. Well, thank you for that. And tonight, uh, tonight, this episode, Blood Bonds, was absolutely amazing. Melissa Benoist always brings her A game. Can't wait for more. And as much as I did have problems with Cara in this episode, I thought Melissa gave a, a really great performance, so I would agree with yeah, that. Yeah, her performance is always good. That's never an issue. It's, it's you know, what they ask her to do that's the problem. <laughs> right, right. At M. Teeston uh, tweeted, a really solid episode. Great action, some nice stuff with John, and great setup for more evil Max Lord. <laughs> at Ernest Almeida 
uh, tweeted, one of the best episodes so far. Can't wait for more. At Alyssa Mulbroek, sorry if I mispronounced that, but uh, tweeted, it was awesome. I love the part where Hank was Supergirl. At I tweet question, tweeted, Krypton, more Ma Martian Manhunter, and a new enemy for Kara. It was awesome. Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year to you as well. <laughs> At Geek Kirk tweeted, solid return after the break. Still very enjoyable. I like how they are evolving it. At Stenanessa323 tweeted, I loved it. It had its twists and teary moments. Good episode. At Corey C 76 tweeted, episodes are getting better each week. And we got a couple of tweets from at Mad Town Davidson because Twitter has, you know, <laughs> that 140 character rule. So it's kind of hard to fit everything in. But uh, at Mad Town Davidson tweeted, I feel like Astra's characterization has been a bit uneven. One scene, she's a sociopath and the next sincere. I really mm. hate that Kara lied to Kat. It was a fun scene, but so insulting to Kat. Also, was Hank strapped down with anti-shape-shifting super chains? Or could he have just escaped? People died, Hank. And <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if people actually died, um, but they were definitely put in danger. So uh, I know that's what we can probably say. Um, and also... Well, did some of the soldiers die, like when that bomb went off? It sounded like the one soldier, soldier who was in danger got rescued. Oh, that's rescued. true. He was like, he got saved, yeah. Yeah, so I think they made it out of there, but, I mean, I don't I don't know for sure. Um, oh, actually, sorry, that was actually something else that I was like, ugh. Um, when they realize there's a bomb in there, um, Supergirl's in there with Alex and the soldier, and I'm like, did she forget that she can fly really fast and pick up heavy things? Because, like, yeah. she just kind of turns and kind of gently pushes them out and covers them with her cape. I'm like... You grab them both and you fly away. It's a bomb. What's wrong with you? Yeah, but then you couldn't get the Max Fleischer Superman cape thing if you didn't <laughs> do that. Yeah, I thought that was a little weird too, but it it was kind of a cool moment that she used the cape. Yeah, so it looks I, cool. I guess there's that. Um, but at Madtown Davidson uh, finished up saying, overall it was a fun episode, but oddly I think General Lane had a point. Releasing Astra seems kind of dumb. So uh, thank you all for tweeting in your thoughts. Um, we have an email from John who writes why he loved the two cars at the end. Uh, and John says, quote, I need to set the record straight about the whole Lois Lane, how dumb was she thing. Lois Lane wasn't dumb. She was super smart. She was convinced five ways from Sunday that Clark Kent was Superman. It was only from Superman's incessant and increasingly elaborate wool pulling that he was able to maintain any kind of secret identity. He lied to her dedicatedly and with great purpose. She even calls him on it when he finally unmasks for her in All-Star Superman. But in no way does that make Lois dumb. She's still super smart and a cutting-edge info-getter. The story expectations change as times change and in the present day the whole lowest secret identity thing is handled differently or sometimes discarded entirely as you know you just talked about rebecca back to the email uh depending on the story the silver bronze age trope uh couldn't be done repeatedly and be believable but can they do it once yes i think they can and i think it totally works here with cat she is smart she is able to see what's in front of her I'm surprised it took her half a season. She was willing to push Kara into an inescapable position to prove her point. And I think she never expected Kara would actually quit. But when she's faced with two Karas in front of her, she has to believe her eyes and come up with an excuse as to why it works. Unless she expects Kara has found a creative way to meet her demand and prove she's not Supergirl when she totally knows she is. 
also having John uh, be a stand-in is totally classic comics and amazing. And I mean, I would agree with some of that. I mean, I'm a Lois Lane defender. I Lois Lane is one of my favorite characters of all time in anything, period, full stop. But for me, the thing with Lois is that this whole frustration with the how dumb was she thing, it's not so much a frustration about Lois and her smarts as it is a reflection on the character of Superman that he would lie to her about that kind of stuff. And I think, yes, Kat is really smart and we've seen her be smart, but the fact is Kara's not allowing her to be that. She is doing the parlor trick. She is pulling the wool over her eyes. And I think that does not bold well for Kara's character because I think that that I mean that's deception that's lying to people so I think for me my frustration comes more so from the Superman Supergirl side of it because I don't want Supergirl to be that character although I do have to say John I totally agree with you about the uh Jean being a stand-in for Kara thing like when I first saw that I laughed out loud for like five minutes I was like yes of course he's gonna do that for her that's hilarious um so I have a soft spot in my heart for that moment as well Well, we have another email about this same topic uh, from a listener named Michelle who writes, quote, Blood Bonds had me as an episode until the debacle with Kat. I think Michelle and I could be friends. I'm still wondering how a show that spent whole episodes practically beating us over the head with its feminism cred could take back the cat reveal it never even occurred to me that could be an option of where the story could go there are just many more interesting angles they could have taken and i'm just so disappointed it comes off as an excuse to show off jean's powers which feels like a waste not to mention that it makes cat look stupid when we were all celebrating her smarts and now Kara seems like a jerk as one of you so eloquently tweeted right after it happened unquote and i was the one who tweeted that (laughs) That was you, yeah. Um, that was me, and I don't think it was very eloquent, but I appreciate you saying that. But, um, yeah, I think that's – I think we've we've already kind of talked about that. But I think it's interesting that Michelle brought up the feminism cred because I think there is yeah. something you could also say about how it's a woman <laughs> – woman-on-woman deception. That yeah, she's, it's like she, – Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, like, yeah, exactly. Like, she – she, you know, rather than than women working together, it's totally Kara like protecting herself from a woman she thinks might be out to get her in some way or something. It's it's really weird. So yeah, I agree with that and completely. Um, well, we have another email from a listener named Stefan who writes, "Quote: You could tell that General Lane believed he was superior to Alex with the way he went over Alex's head and got the president to sign an order that gave him authority over the DEO." He did that so he could stroke his own ego because he felt inferior to a woman. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't kind of feel that way about it. Like, I, I thought at least, even though he was being a blowhard, like, at least he had a legitimate reason to be there. And he didn't, you know, seem to... Like he, he, it legitimately felt to me like the president sent him there. It's oh, not, yeah, yeah. It's not that he, like, went to the president demanding this. Because, yeah, like... If Hank Henshaw is down and the, the next person in command is somebody who's related to the person that you have imprisoned, like, that's not the person you want in charge. The president ordered something and he's a good soldier. So he did what the president, the you know, the chief said to do. So um, I think that was just an order that he took as a soldier. So I think that's all it was. Um, 
we also had a listener named Jack who writes, quote, my biggest fear for the show is that it is going to fall down a path of relationship drama being a primary driver. The thing I love so far and what I love most about Kat's character is the statement of not needing a significant other to justify your place. The Flash handles it really well, better than Arrow, <laughs> where it's an aspect but not the driving factor of the show. I would be infinitely more interested in seeing an Alex's relationship with Lord create real conflict and test loyalties more than anything else, unquote. Um, I do agree with um, how, you know, like the Flash Flash and Arrow differ on this, and I would love to see Supergirl be more on the Flash side of things. Um, But Mm -hmm. I don't know that the relationship drama, like I think more of the relationship drama is like the stuff that we talked about in this episode, in this podcast yeah, episode. Yeah, Kat and Kara. Kat and Kara <laughs> is, and actually TV line, I saw that um, they had like a, a listicle of 2015 and one of the things they picked was the best non-romantic couple of a show and it was Kat and Kara. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that's more of the drama, the driving force relationship of the show uh, versus like a Win Kara or a James Kara thing, so I'm I'm not even worried about the romantic relationships on the show. I'm more interested in how do they fix what happened to Kat and Kara. And I'm looking forward to the budding bromance between Win and James. Yeah, like I I totally want them to buddy up more and and have that going on because, um, yeah, I, I I really did like seeing that. That was one of the things I liked about the episode. So there's a relationship for you. <laughs> Um, we also received emails from Ed and Carly, who both had questions about digital comics and the new adventures of Supergirl series that's debuting on January 25th. Um, if you haven't bought a digital comic before, uh, we can recommend creating an account on comicsology.com. That's C-O-M-I-X-O-L-O-G-Y.com uh, through Comixology or the DC Comics apps. Um, once you have an account, you can buy and read books either through comicsology.com or on tablets and iPhones using those apps. Um, so definitely, uh, check those out. Um, I have a Comixology account myself. Um, it, they're a great service and they have lots of stuff available, so you won't be disappointed. Yeah, I do as well. I have a Comixology account and I love reading comics on my iPad. Um, it's actually really nice and convenient. And even though I do like to hold something, um, it is nice to have all of your books kind of in one little thing where you can um, scroll through them. So uh, definitely um, check it out, give it a shot, and uh, we'll um, be talking about those uh, Adventures of Supergirl episodes on Supergirl Radio when they debut. And totally. our last email comes from a listener named Mashid. If I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, let me know if I'm not, but uh, who writes in saying, Hi, Supergirl Radio. My name is Mashid. I'm from Iran. I'm a huge fan of the show. I love every bit of its awesome episodes, even if they have some flaws here and there. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we talked about some flaws. A lot in, of flaws this week. In this but... episode, but I totally agree. Still love the show. Um, Mashid says, Just wanted to let you know that even here in Iran, Supergirl has its own numerous super fans, and we like to support the show in any way we can. And uh, Mashid uh, goes on to say, I wish I could tell the cast myself that I praise each and every one of them, especially Melissa Benoist. She has inspired me in many different ways, and I feel my life has changed because of her. I can see that they are truly putting all they have into their characters. It's such a hard job waiting a whole week for each episode to come, unquote. Wow, that's awesome. So that is very cool. And um, 
glad to know that there are some Supergirl fans in Iran and um, that Melissa Benoist and Supergirl have had a, a good impact on your life. That's awesome. It's 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 cool to be inspired by uh, fictional characters because you, you can draw something out of those. Um, so I think that's great. And uh, hopefully listening to the podcast will <laughs> hopefully help you get over that waiting a week for the next episode. So uh, thank exactly. you. for Thank you for writing in. And if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And we are available on iTunes and Stitcher as well. So if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And big thanks this week to Battle Girl Deb for leaving us a review on iTunes. Thanks so much. And we are a part of the DC TV podcast circle. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and even DC movies, you can subscribe to our DC TV podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV podcasts on Facebook. And as for me, you can find me every day at the Mary Sue. That's the Mary Sue.com, uh, where I do Supergirl recaps every Tuesday um, and House of L videos, uh, where I talk about some associated themes having to do with Supergirl. And as of this month, I'm going to be doing those monthly uh, instead of weekly. So they're going to be happening on the last Thursday of every month. Um, Still talking about all sorts of Supergirl goodness. Um, and as for me personally, you can find my website at TeresaGiacino.com where you can hit me up on all sorts of super uh, of super media, social media, <laughs> um, which is super. And uh, you can find all my other outlets there as well. And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid, that's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D, and watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod, that's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. And if you'd like to stick around for a quick spoiler section about next week's episode of Supergirl, we'll be doing that after our theme music. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Teresa Giacino. And remember, even when things look the bleakest, heroes find a way. And we're back. Uh, we don't have any audio for what's coming up on Supergirl because there was no trailer for next week since there's no new episode until January 18th. Mm-hmm. Ugh. But we can talk about the official description for the next episode, which is called Childish Things. The official description says, quote, Kara does her best to support Wen when his father, the supervillain toy man, breaks out of prison and seeks out his son for unknown reasons. Also, Kat offers Lucy a job at CatCo, and Alex asks Hank to use his powers to help uncover Maxwell Lord's plans, unquote. So, Teresa, what in this episode description excites you? I have to say I am really glad that they're going to figure out how to bring Lucy back into the show, like, more full-time. In 
that recent episode where she was where she basically helped Kat solve her hacker problem. Uh, she was part of the team that helped do that, and I think Kat noticed that she has legal skills that would be useful. You know, once once I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, she's you know they're they're going to figure out how to make her more of a part of the team and a part of the show. And if Kat's offering her a job, that's a great way to do it. So I'm very excited about that. But of course, Toy Man. I mean. We've been talking about him for a while now. We know that he and Wynn are going to have to come to a head at a certain point. So I'm very glad that we're finally going to get to see that, especially now that Wynn has become more likable. Like I've, I've come to like Wynn a lot more in the, the most recent episodes, whereas in the beginning he seemed kind of stalkery and weird. Um, so I am happy to, uh, to finally see his relationship with his dad be depicted on screen. Yeah, I think the Toy Man bit of it is what excites me the most because even though I really liked the Kryptonian stuff on the show, I kind of want to break from it a little bit. And I think it's going to be fun to see a villain who has caused a lot of trouble for not only the Super Family, but also for Cat Grant. Uh, so I'm glad to see him uh, finally showing up. So that that's what I'm kind of excited to see how he's going to be per- portrayed. Oh, and actually, there's uh, the part about Hank using his powers to help uncover Maxwell Lord's plans, which, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting now that because um, all this time, Hank has just kind of been sitting on his powers. And now that Alex knows about them, she's like, well, wait a minute. You haven't been using these the whole time? Like, you could be using your powers to, like, solve crimes and, and help us do our jobs more easily. Like, why aren't you using that? It's interesting to see her kind of bugging him to use his powers every five minutes now that she knows that they're there. Yeah, even though I was frustrated that Hank or, or Jean didn't use his powers um, in Blood Bonds, when I felt like maybe he could have and should have. Um, I'm at least excited to see Alex and, you know, more Alex and Jean now that she knows who he is and, and seeing more of their bond develop. So that that's exciting. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll be back with another episode discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.